Several weeks ago, we were in the studio recording a podcast, and uh, we got done, kind of turned record off, but we kept having a conversation that felt to us like it was bordering on too heavy mm. or, or too much. Right, or almost you could feel a hesitation to go there. Exactly. With some of the core things yeah. that we were then having conversation on after the mics were turned off. Hesitation. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I, I said to myself, that's not fair to our listeners. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that is true, and I don't think that's what they need in, in this hour. And so it got me thinking about um, a way that I want to frame the Ransomed Heart podcast going forward. Mm-hmm. And it goes like this. This is a gnarly time to be a human being. This is a very, very ruthless time in history on the earth. The conditions are practically violent on the soul. And God cares. He cares deeply about your soul and your humanity. And maturity is not an option. Maturity is is our rescue. Wholeheartedness is your safe place. Wholeheartedness is your joy. And so welcome, friends, to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John Eldridge, Morgan Snyder, here for a couple of episodes, kind of in the spirit of that, kind of in the spirit of, look, we don't want to tiptoe around things that we think would be immensely helpful Mm -hmm. for you or reserve them, you know, for... After we turn the mic off and, right. and we just have the conversation among ourselves. So let me begin with a story. Several years ago, I was invited to speak at a counseling conference, a conference for therapists, national conference, and very honored to do so, very grateful to do so. And I walked out on stage for my session, and I began by saying to them, I come bearing an olive branch. And you could hear the room get really quiet. <laughs> what? what? What's the conflict? Why, you know, the olive branch was the ancient symbol of peace. And someone comes bearing an olive branch, it means they're trying to bring about a cessation of hostilities. <laughs> and so what are the hostilities? Why is Eldridge doing this? And I said, you know, for too long, this community uh, of counseling, therapy, psychology, psychotherapy, has been in a totally unnecessary tension with a community that, frankly, I'm very familiar with, and a community of inner healing. And I said that we view each other with suspicion, we view each other with doubt, frankly, a lot of judgment, but actually we really need each other. And the talk that I went on to give was trying to reconcile the worlds of therapy, which has a number of my very dear friends in it and a number of extraordinarily beautiful people operating in that world, with the world that might be called a little bit more, I don't know, supernatural, uh, a little bit more of sort of the direct presence of Jesus involved, um, the world of inner healing. And we want to go in a similar direction in this podcast. Uh, may, this may end up being a couple uh, together here. There is, there, is an, there is a tension 
that exists in the church right now, and, and I know it exists in a lot of our audience. It is, is a tension of what I want to call soul versus spirit, uh, spirit versus soul. Um, and, and to get us there, help you understand what I mean by that, are you the kind of person looking for God to touch you in a, in a powerful and, and remarkable and unmistakable way and simply deal with the inner issues of your soul, places of pain or fear or, or confusion or uncertainty, childhood wounds, trauma, and, and therefore you're the kind of person who, you know, is going to conferences and um, worship events and looking for an encounter with God through which these things will be healed. Mm-hmm. Or, on the other hand, are you the kind of person who is willing to or who has spent years in counseling um, years maybe with spiritual direction, um, maybe through the spiritual disciplines, the Enneagram, all these you know various sort of soul care tools, hoping by that means to mature, heal up, you know, care for your soul. Like which of those listeners, which of those two camps would you kind of generally find yourself in? Because there is a tension. Um, Morgan, wouldn't you say between those two worlds? Yeah, and John, as you lay those out, I think another kind of lens into them that helps me is you're talking about very general categories that have strong distinctions between them. But like the spirit category, if I'm understanding you right, it would be an example. I know a good friend who has a young daughter that went to a school for training in ministry, Christian school. And the fruit of that school is much about supernatural, right? Much conversation about physical healings, about going to pray in neighborhoods that Jesus would just heal that cancer or heal that disease, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a category that really focuses on the supernatural interaction with the kingdom to bring about the fruit. And then there's another category, if I'm hearing you right, of it embodies wisdom's long view. And so that's why the slow and steady work with a counselor, or for example, you think of the human body and you think, okay, well, wisdom's view is treat the body with health and wellness is central to caring for the temple of God. And we're not saying wrong or right. What we're saying is these are very strong distinctions in how we approach integration. And so just to be careful to not label like, we're not trying to define them heavily, but simply say there are camps, there are communities of orientation among Christendom that look at maturity very differently in their approach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of a conversation that I had with a woman a few years ago who had a pretty critical mother and now in her single 30s was aware that she had been shaped profoundly by mm-hmm. it. You know, you're kind of waking up to oh, my past really did shape me, mm-hmm. and what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And, and there were people in her life that would say, no, 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 the Scripture just says the past is in the past. It's, that's over. That's gone. That's not a real thing. You just focus on Christ. And what she said to me, she was, she was headed off to a conference, and I asked her what she was looking for, and she says, I, I just want to be wrecked by God. I just want to be undone. I want to encounter with God where I'm just totally wrecked. 
And to be honest, part of me thought, yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I hope this weekend has that for you as a therapist who's worked with a lot of people over the years. I think you might need to look at your life a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that God may even wait to meet you in those places mm -hmm. till you're willing to go into those places yourself. Yes. You know, but she was looking for the kind of the supernatural touch approach to wholeheartedness, maturity, the well-being of my soul, you know, that version. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to contrast that, I know a, a beautiful guy who has spent years in counseling, mm -hmm. and every time I check in with him, it's another round of therapy. And there's a part of me that goes, really? Like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of years. What seems to be missing that that's not working yeah. for you, you know? Can I ask you a question on that? So you're describing two different people looking in two different directions for seemingly the same thing, both of which there exactly. is, there's lack, there's block, there's insufficiency. Yeah. I, my question to you, John, is what would you say you observe as the resistance to the other category. So if you are the person that goes round and round with counseling and focuses on wisdom's long view, but hesitates to step into that realm of supernatural and encounters and trauma work, or the other, right? You're the one seeking after the encounter, but you fail to do the slow and steady work. What do you observe as the resistance to stepping into other arenas that actually could provide good things, whatever they are? <laughs> okay. Okay. Funny story. So I was in the health food store yesterday, and those are my people. I, I admit <laughs> it. I was the assistant manager of a health food store when I was 20 back in 1980. And so I lived in that world, been that world. I know a lot about nutrition and body care and that sort of thing and, and eat like that. So I go in those stores and I feel very, very comfortable. But, but I will admit it depends on who you run into in there, kind of whether it's attractive or not. Like you can run into the health food type person that you just go, oh, they're so weird their language, their obsession with it, their, you know, it is their entire world. I ran to this person yesterday and I thought to myself, <laughs> gosh, if you were new to this world and that was your one experience, you wouldn't want anything to do with it. And I think that that happens a lot in Christendom. Mm -hmm. Like there are these streams. You have people who are really into the spiritual disciplines and, and you know, they found Richard Foster and, and they found some of the Catholic tradition and they found Alice Willard and that's their thing. But it's, you know, give a boy a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. You know, they, they've got one thing and they think it's the, it's the thing. And, and we want to say, yep, we do it. We use it. Mm -hmm. Super helpful. Not all there is. Mm. Not all there is. But, you know, like walking into the health food store and running into the kooky person, you know, you can come into certain contexts, whether it's a conference of people who are looking for supernatural encounters, uh, one and done. Mm -hmm. God touched me and I no longer struggle with, you know, my eating disorder. And depending on how kind of odd that person is, mm -hmm. it can really shape your view of the offering. Yes. Because gang, I want to say, of course we lean into God. Of course we want to be touched mm -hmm. by God. Of course we need all of the resources of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started with the olive branch story mm -hmm. is I think that there's an unnecessary tension, even in our own listeners, of like, you don't need to fear the other thing. Mm -hmm. 
you may have met someone that kind of put you off mm-hmm. or you may have just heard about it and that put you off or you tried it and it didn't work and that put you yeah, off. That's huge. Right. But let me give a couple more scenarios. These are deeper yeah. now. Okay. I'm going to put two scenarios in front of you that we can sort of unpack. A woman, 35, victim of childhood abuse, been to counseling for a year and a half now. Some progress has been made, but still feels stuck, still feels very young inside. She'll get into certain situations with people, somebody wants a hug or that she doesn't even know or, or, you know, embarrassing situation at work, and suddenly she just feels eight years old inside, feels very stuck there, and is having nightmares. And the counseling doesn't seem to be addressing those parts of the situation. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? John, first off, I think I would commend her for doing the work with a counselor, right? Commend her for being curious about her story, engaging with family of origin and understanding how she's become the person that she finds herself. And so that's true. That's valid. That's important. That's admirable. And also, I would say, over experience, we have learned that often middle-aged women will have triggers that surface often when even her children become the age of a place of acute trauma in her story. And so there will be this amazing pattern. Again, this isn't for everybody, but in many instances— the children will become the age where there was abuse and it triggers the young person within them. And this may even be subconscious. And so it was a place that wasn't earlier accessible to the woman, but now it's presenting itself and it needs healing. It needs integration. It needs the ministry of Jesus into that place. And you can't, uh, talk therapy won't do it. And so I'm not being prescriptive to say that's an answer, but I'm saying that's a category that's worth exploring. Well, and as a young therapist, you know, 25 years ago and opened up, you know, a private practice and I had people coming into my office with situations that my training did not prepare me Mm. for. And, And my training was suspicious of encounters with God. My training was suspicious of the entire category of Mm -hmm. the possibility of the presence of demons. But I would say that if this woman has pursued that for a year and a half and feels stuck and nightmares are happening and the young place is, you know, presenting itself, other resources are probably needed. Yes. And we don't need to fear that. It doesn't need to make us feel inadequate or that we've blown it. What we're trying to do is open up conversation mm-hmm. between the realms here, you know, these these different camps in Christianity so that we don't just get in silos yes. and don't benefit from the other resources available to us. So second scenario, a man, 55, he is in a great deal of shame, confusion, self-reproach because he is wrestling with his gender. He's been to multiple healing prayer sessions. He's traveled across the country to a church known for miracles, but he is still struggling, Mm. feels like it hasn't 
touched it. Feels mm. like it hasn't gotten there. What would you say to that scenario? Yeah, John, and just again playing out um, specifics. I think in that situation, I would commend him for seeking out yep. right healing yep. integration for a present pain that yep. he has. But what I would be aware of is, um, you know, one mentor calls it the miracle of validation, the power of being known by another person in the seat of your deep pain. And so even putting the theology aside for a moment for that man to be heard, to be listened to by a person that can come to the center of his pain and empathize with him, what must it be like to be you in your body, in your story? And, and I think what I hear the underlying in, in that situation is, boy, how much he suffered under, I need to get healed or get fixed to be well. And that's a lot of what's projected on yes. him by people. And so there's yes. actually a lot of harm yeah. that's tied to some mm-hmm. outcome. Yep. But instead, if that man were to walk with another man, over time in an environment of masculine love where he could receive something that's almost a substance, right? That cares for his soul and treats him with dignity as a man. One of the things we've learned is much of the healing of the masculine soul can only come through relationship over time in love, integrous love with another man. Yeah. And so I would want to be curious about how he could explore some of that. Yeah. And just introduce, first off, take the pressure off that this is going to be dealt with in one moment. Mm-hmm. God might. Yep. He might. Apparently he hasn't. So let's take that pressure off and let's say maybe God has another healing path mm-hmm. for you. Anyway, listeners, I hope you're tracking with us because this isn't just a therapeutic conversation. This is a conversation about how we view Christian experience. What are the resources we're leaning into for maturity? You know, when I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to start saying it all the time Mm. now, maturity is not an option. Maturity is your rescue. Wholeheartedness is your safe place. Mm -hmm. Well, then how do we get there? Uh, What is our view of that? What are the tools, the resources, the things we're leaning into to find that? Yes. and there's just these camps yep. out there that could really benefit from one another. You know, I, I all the things that I learned post my graduate education yes. have been invaluable to me along with my graduate education, yes. right? I needed a full palette. I needed a full quiver, yes. right? I wanted more tools in my toolbox, not only to help my clients, but... For my own soul, right? for my wife, for my kids. I really appreciate in the earlier story, John, when you said you were in a professional counseling practice environment and you realized what you had was insufficient for what you believed was possible for your client. And so you were applying everything that you learned and it was it was rather helpful, yep. but you want more. And so what I hear in that is one is humility. I hear a posture of curiosity of like, give me all that you have, God. I want to open myself up to more training, more apprenticeship for the tools and the dimensions of the kingdom that I am unfamiliar with or even more uncomfortable with, but I'm willing to take a risk to explore because I want the full portion of what's available. Right. In 
So now let's look at some biblical examples. Okay. So I'm thinking of the life of Paul. So he is Saul, mm-hmm. and he is raging. He, by his own admission, is a murderer. All right? This is a man who is on a quest to stop the emerging church, the, the revolution called Christianity. And he has an encounter. Mm-hmm. One day, one moment, boom. Right. Supernatural encounter, right? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, right? And who are you? And he says, my name is Jesus. He has a Jesus encounter. There is a moment in time that he could look back on for the rest of his life and point to, I could literally take you back to the place on the road that that happened, yes. right, on the way to Damascus. And, and it is life-changing, there's just no question. Mm-hmm. He has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Yep. And I want to say, gang, that's legit. Yes. It's right there in Scripture. Yep. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it's irreversible. Irreversible. Something powerful in, a, in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the situation. Not ideas about Jesus, <laughs> not theories developed out of the teaching of Jesus. Jesus himself. Right. In person, boom. Right. And and it is phenomenal and it's miraculous and, and it has all kinds of sweeping effects in, in this man's life. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating is it doesn't finish the job. It gets some things done. It gets some things rolling. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you have these hidden years, the, the hidden years of Paul's mm-hmm. life. Fourteen of them. 14 years, he disappears from the record because he needs to go walk it out Mm -hmm. now. And there are things that need to happen in his life over time. Yes. Right? And and then he comes back after those 14 years, and he is a different man. Absolutely. He's humble and self-effacing. He's still just as committed Mm -hmm. and just as passionate. Well, and he's also self-aware. You know, Romans 6 and 7, when he writes his first epistle to the church in Rome, he is very articulate about the civil war within him. And so it's not that he's arrived, right? It's, he is still a man in process, but his maturity can be noted by how aware he is of the false man that's at war against the true man that's maturing within him. So what I so appreciate Mm -hmm. is you can see the fruit of the process, because in contrast, I I asked myself, John, where do we see that lived out in today's age, where somebody has a genuine encounter with God, right? They, quote, become a Christian. They, quote, are saved. And then they go out and live a whole ministry for the next 40 years on saving other people. But it kind of begins and ends with this prayer of are you saved or not, when what you often see is undealt with pieces and portions of their soul. And so they may stay in immaturity, right? Stay in places lacking initiation. And then it blows up. And then it blows up. Exactly. Either the whole thing blows up, their ministry, you know, it's public and all that, or it blows up privately, right? It's a divorce. It's children who hate them. It's, you know— a quiet addiction on the side, yes. right, that no one knows about, but it still blows up yep. because maturity doesn't happen in a zap. Yes. And character formation does not take place in a moment. Mm-hmm. Certain things can. Wonderful things mm-hmm. can. But I just want to point out, here you have one of the greatest 
of all mm-hmm. uh, of the New Testament. You have the Apostle Paul, and both things are in his life. So we can't say it's one or the other. Right. And we can't put an emphasis on one or the other. We can say, look, they do each does certain things, mm-hmm. right? The supernatural encounter with the real presence yeah. of Jesus, absolutely unforgettable. He's never the same, right? And a process of self-awareness yeah. by which over the period of public yeah. uh, silence and solitude, we don't know, you know what he was doing in all those years, but he doesn't have a big flashy ministry yes. at that point. Right. He's hidden and he's developing and he's growing and he's changing as a person. So just an example. Yeah. And one of the brilliant pieces in that example, John, is those two kind of modalities work interdependently, right? They they actually fuel each other, yep. right? We're not talking about separate they really realities. They really fuel each other. As we think about our yeah, stories, we flow that's back from, good. you know, particular healings with the slow and steady process. And so yes. they actually um, have a multiplication in their effect when they yes. are being engaged simultaneously. Absolutely. So another example. So Peter, another great figure, um, sees a miracle. Uh, the miracle isn't done to him, but the miracle happens on his boat. So he's early in the story, just beginning to encounter this man named Jesus. Uh, and there's the miracle. And Peter says to him, leave me. Uh, I'm a sinful man. Like, I, I, I'm undone. Mm. I'm Your presence and what you just did, the miraculous power of your presence, I'm totally undone. Mm. Um, so, yep, there it is again, right, Damascus genuine, Road right? type, type thing. I mean, the living, actual presence of Jesus yes. and his his power to do things. Peter beholds it, and he's never the same. So you, you have that as well. But then you get that phenomenal story in in John 21. Peter goes on, you know, to deny Christ, uh, as most folks will know in that story, betrays his best friend not once. But three times on the night that Jesus is arrested and tortured, Peter renounces even knowing him, curses to demonstrate that, you know, he's telling the truth when he's not. And then there's this incredibly beautiful encounter a number of weeks later on the beach. And again, there's a miraculous catch of fish and the boy, you know, Peter's in the water Mm -hmm. swimming towards Christ. Now, the last we left Peter, it was shame, guilt horror, you know, self-reproach. I mean, you know, this this is a guy who betrayed the person he loves most in the world. That has consequences mm-hmm. that have to be dealt with in the soul. And in this encounter, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have they have breakfast together on the beach, the Jesus and the boys, and then Jesus turns to Peter and says, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" And you can just imagine the awkwardness in that moment. Peter, you know, last we know of, he was with Jesus, he betrayed him. And so he's like, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And the second time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, it says, the scripture says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. How many times did he betray Jesus? Three times. Three times. How many times does Jesus ask the difficult question? Mm. 
three times. Mm-hmm. Jesus is after something in his soul. Yes. And this is far, far more like a professional therapist mm. going after someone's heart and soul with skill and cunning. He doesn't just breathe on him. You know, the, the stories of Aslan in some of the beautiful Narnian tales and someone's upset and Aslan just breathes on them. And all their fears go away, right? right? Jesus doesn't do that. Right, in he this could, instance, right. He could do that. Yep. He could do it yep. here, now, in this. He could. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's not how he handles it here. He he talks it out. He goes straight into the core issue and gives Simon the opportunity to feel mm-hmm. what he's feeling. And that's how, in this part of his story, he chooses to heal. A little different. That's beautiful. Right? It's not... It's not zap. Uh, it's a conversation mm-hmm. that they have, right? He doesn't breathe no. on him. He doesn't touch him. Simon could have run up and Jesus could, could have just put his hand on his heart and just said, everything's okay. And we, that's it. That would have been the end of the story. But he doesn't do it that way in this time. So do you see this? Like you, both are illustrated in the scripture, mm-hmm. personal life-changing encounters with Jesus mm-hmm. and process type mm-hmm. work with Jesus yep. or one of Jesus's skilled ones, right? I, I think that's huge. Yep. I think it's helpful. Well, if I put myself in the seat of a listener, and if I've walked in Christian community long enough, I'm aware in hearing those stories of there is a realm that I feel comfortable with, that I feel familiar with, that I feel confident in, and that's kind of where I stay. And for the most part, there's other stuff that generally speaking, for different reasons, I'm not involved in. You know, I avoid or worse, disdain. And, and so as you share those stories, John, something rises in hope and wonders the question of, well, how much do I want and what do I do then to move towards the more? that is unfamiliar, that may be a place where I've been hurt yeah. before, right? But I yeah. just will say the gospel I have is working and insufficient for the fullness of what I want. There you go. We're going to pause right there. This is a gnarly time to be a human being. The conditions of the earth right now are violent on the soul. God cares deeply about our humanity, and maturity is not an option. It's your rescue. Wholeheartedness is your safe place. So we're going to pause and just let you think about that. Mm-hmm. Where would you put yourself in those different scenarios? What, what are the tools that you are leaning into for your maturing and wholeheartedness? And we'll come back next time and unpack the rest of this. <laughs>